Welcome to another episode of our podcast. I am your host, Dr. Holly Batchelder. I'm here with Dr. Allison Batchelder. And today we have a very important discussion, conversation. We're hoping we can keep it light, but it definitely is on a topic we're both super passionate about. And I think as both clinical psychologists, you know, as professionals, but also as mothers, as moms who experience both traumatic births, and we really want to have this discussion to kind of destigmatize maternal mental health issues, mental health issues in general, but we really want this conversation to be validating for those who listen to it, those who are interested in it. And we really want to open the conversation too. So without further ado, I would love to introduce my sister, Dr. Allison Batchelder, to share a little bit about her background, and then we're just going to dive into it. Allison? Dr. Allison Batchelder, I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, and I specialize in perinatal mental health disorders. So I got my certification in perinatal mental health. I am PMHC, and as a licensed psychologist, I did trainings and did different workshops and how to take a exam and all of that good stuff. So if you ever see anyone with a PMHC, that means they have extra training and to specialize and focus on women in the perinatal period. And when I say perinatal, I mean pregnancy and motherhood, essentially, postpartum. Usually postpartum, we say it's like about 12 months, but we're seeing it more it's two years. And actually really seven years until your brain is back to how it used to be before having kids. There's a lot of neurobiological changes. But that's where my heart is right now. And I'm really, really enjoying it. And I have a lot of postpartum women in my private practice. So yeah, this is this is kind of my thing. Awesome. Thank you for sharing it. I would love to hear some of your background. Um, other than becoming a mother yourself too, what got you what what got you interested in this? And if you're willing to share some of your story too. I think that's something that you teach your clients. I know it can be really effective healing for yourself, but then also to others to hear that other people have gone through the challenges of pregnancy and postpartum and then, you know, through motherhood as well too. I definitely am no stranger to trauma when it comes to pregnancy and loss and a traumatic birth. And I think that there is such a stigma about talking about birth trauma and talking about even loss, like when we talk about miscarriage, that it makes people feel extremely uncomfortable. And I think for women, um, it can make us feel very inadequate, very vulnerable, but also very responsible, like um, in a way, like over-identifying with loss. I heard this new saying where instead of saying that we miscarried, we say miscarried. Because when we say miscarried, it's like, it's this, this sorry got a little emotional, right? When you think about like mm-hmm. this carried, our bodies did carry. And a lot mm-hmm. of times it's really we place so much responsibility on something that we had no control over. And so that's just kind of just speaking to that, you know, if we if we go into like the order of like, you know, when it comes to like pregnancy and then up to birth and then postpartum, you know, if I start early, right? You know, early mm-hmm. loss is also, you know, something that can be very isolating and I want to speak to the fact that isolation is what makes all of this so much harder and more painful and we don't have to add insult to injury by keeping our mouths closed on something that needs to be heard right and the moment we start telling our story and owning that story the more other women can too and of course we need to do it with people who are not just willing to hear us but also willing to be able to be there for us 
But the reality is, I mean, one in four women experience loss like this, whether it's miscarriage or even we get to, you know, even longer, like more full-term loss. But yeah, it is not, it is not something that is uncommon, unfortunately. And so I would say it kind of started early on, you know, this interest. And when I noticed that, like when I experienced loss, that this is just something you don't talk about. It's the reason why we wait so long to even announce our births because we don't know what's going to happen. And because we don't, announce it we also don't see other people who've had loss too mm-hmm. and i can i can agree that there is there's this interesting there's these rules that mm-hmm. we we place on ourselves too and i know you broke a lot of those rules and your your last pregnancy <laughs> um i remember you broke the news to you know friends family everyone after <laughs> you got pregnant or after you got the positive pregnancy test there was like a gasp like oh are you sure sure? like what are you doing are you you supposed to wait 12 weeks too and I remember that Mm -hmm. I remember when I asked you you said I want to I'm celebrating this now Mm -hmm. because whatever happens here this is this is something that we are celebrating and I think that was really beautiful too and yet it doesn't happen all the time so I understand that people I think it's important that people just feel their freedom to be able to make their own rules in regards to sharing Mm -hmm. um Isolation, you touched on that because we know that in all issues, right, depression, trauma, even stress, when we isolate ourselves, and we're not doing it willingly all the time, mm-hmm. right? But when we avoid seeing other people, because of course that's very natural when yeah. you're feeling like shit, mm-hmm. um, we it gets worse, right? We don't have that we don't have that buffer. But what is why maternal mental health, why is there more isolation? Um, why is there less talking about how hard motherhood is or how mm. hard pregnancy is versus more socially acceptable mm. disorders? That's a, such a good question. I mean, at the top of my head, I think it's just it's, it's a woman's issue, right? This is not a man a, a men's issue, right? Women should just get over it and you know be quiet, be seen, not be heard, right? This is just something we all do. Everyone has, right? This is why we all exist, right? So, mm. like, why am I complaining and having you know? A traumatic experience when everyone does this so it's almost like a very minimizing and like a thing like oh I must be unique I must be different I must isolate because I will be shamed from society in a way if I take it to the most extreme ostracized from my community and my source of like safety because mm-hmm. here I am suffering from something that my body should just naturally do well right and that's whether we're struggling with infertility or or loss or birth trauma or just traumatic postpartum, right? It, it's almost like a sense of like, like I'm not doing the thing that everyone else is doing. And the thing is, is the reality is, is most women are suffering and have suffered from the, from the, from the beginning of time, right? Women have suffered childbirth, postpartum. It's just now we're starting to talk more about it because not that it's happening more often. It's always really been here. We're just actually finally doing something about it. And so that's, mm-hmm. that's my initial thoughts. What are your thoughts, Holly? I mean, I feel like my mind went into a lot of different directions because I was thinking about how, it's personal, right? For, mm-hmm. for each person. I think if someone is suffering in isolation and then when, of course, when we say suffering, I'm thinking about like the clinical suffering, I think, and I, I think we'll talk about this more too, about the normal realms, like the baby blues, 
is not going to be sunshine and roses after you get pregnant. It's just, it's just not going to be. But if you find that most, most days are dreadful and harder than most, that's when we want. That's when we want you to see a psychologist, right? Or a therapist um, or just your PCP and just let them know. But when we're noticing like, okay, this is, this is clinical now. This is affecting me. This is affecting my ability to parent. I think that a lot of the isolation is if I share this with, with my friends, my partner, um, they're going to think I'm not grateful to be a parent mm-hmm. or a mother. They're going to think I am ungrateful um, for everything everyone has already done for me up to this point. Um, or so many other people couldn't have children. Here I am complaining about my morning sickness. Right? What's, what's wrong with me? So there's a little bit of self-judgment. Yeah. Um, there's already there's already a, pregnancy itself is already pretty isolating no one knows exactly what it feels like to be in your body mm-hmm. no matter what so mm-hmm. my sister and i <laughs> we were both pregnant at the same time we had a one month overlap so we were only pregnant for one month at the same exact time <laughs> right and we're twins so we have a lot of similar things we had a lot of the similar um, ailments and symptoms of morning sickness and nausea. Um, and yet again, very, we we still experience such differences and it can feel very lonely already just being pregnant, I think. Um, and so maybe we see their social media, we see other people, um, with their beautiful bump pics and their, mm-hmm. you know, all these beautiful photo shoots, right. Which I highly I highly encourage, you know, if it fits into your budget or doing something to honor honor your pregnancy. That's what you Um, want to do, right? Right. To honor this unique time in your life. And sometimes when we see other people looking just radiant and beautiful and still going on vacations and still working, Mm -hmm. um, self-comparison comes in. Is that person not sick? And some people... Some people really do have wonderful pregnancies, right? Mm-hmm. And they weren't throwing up every day like like we were. And of course, we envy, we really envy them and we're happy for them. Um, but then we feel like, oh, did I do something wrong? Mm-hmm. Something wrong with my body? Yep. So I think that I guess the general theme is the isolation is, it's not self-imposed. It's I think that we have a system that's built around yes. mental health. And struggling is mm-hmm. something that you do on your own. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of, there's a lot of intersectionality here, you know, depending mm-hmm. on our culture um, and what we are allowed to complain about and what we sh- shouldn't complain yeah. about. But the thing that is so isolating ends up being the thing that we need to work extra hard yeah. to connect with others about. And I guess that kind of leads me to the next part of this, which is what can be helpful when you are realize I am suffering. Um, in this pregnancy, in this postpartum period, mm-hmm. as a new mother, what do you, what can you do other than, of course, the talk with a therapist, get an yeah. accurate diagnosis, medication? Mm-hmm. I guess that's included. But what else can you do? So, what's the first step? I guess the short answer, the first step is yeah, self compassion. Right. I'm just gonna go with that first. Right. Aside from mm-hmm. like acknowledging and being aware that this is happening practicing some self-kindness versus that self-criticism we're putting this into action practicing mindfulness versus self-identifying right or over-identifying and then the common humanity versus isolation right those are like the you know the the different um, measures of self-compassion but we want to put this into action so like the first so for example 
practicing some neutrality versus the criticism, right, would just one be a way to practice it. The other one would be that common humanity piece, getting involved with like some mom's group that is a real mom's group. What I mean by that is like not one that's making you feel like you have to constantly keep up, right? Because everyone else is doing well, but like a support group, a support group that people can be real and honest with each other. And no mm-hmm. one's faking anything. No one's trying to one up anyone. Everyone's just real. Hey, this is what I'm going through. The research is so clear how important it is for, for new moms and pregnant moms to have the support group of other moms going through it too. And luckily, mm-hmm. a lot of women are pregnant at the same time. And luckily, there's a lot of support groups available. So yeah, it is very beneficial. And then of course, mindfulness, right? To remember, this is temporary. You're not going to be pregnant forever, right? This is a season right now that's hard. And postpartum, same thing. I never thought postpartum would end. I just really didn't. I'm like, I'm going to feel like this forever. There's real changes that happen in our bodies when we're pregnant and postpartum that happen in our brain. I really simply just change a lot of how we think and act. And we're just not really the same person because literally there's chemical imbalances happening, right? Mm -hmm. So being mindful of that. Right, rather than over identifying with it, right? Rather than taking this, this is me now. No, 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 things change. Things are always changing. You will get better with help and support. I think that's what's really important to like stay hopeful and encourage that things will get better. That reminder that things are always changing is really important, right? So I'm thinking about how, okay. I'm getting sleepless nights right now. I think postpartum depression will tell you it's never going to get better. You are never going to sleep ever again. And, and of course, we make jokes about it, right? Because we have to, we have to have some humor during yeah. this very difficult time in our lives, too, right? I'm never going to sleep again. And in a way, that's that's not true. You will sleep again. It might not be how you slept before you had children, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but depression, postpartum depression, loves to tell you, oh, you're you're screwed. Mm-hmm. You and yep. then in more severe cases, right? You're worthless. You're a terrible mother. You are um your kids are better off without you, right? So when do you, when you know, for our listeners, if you are having those those like inner thoughts, right? If you're at a point where like I am worthless or everyone's better off without me, that's when we we say, Okay, this is not so much yeah. this is not something we want you to work do and be alone with. We want you mm-hmm. to talk to a professional about it. Definitely. Um I'll make a note to um some other effective like treatments and even for someone who had all the resources at her fingertips Mm -hmm. truly knowing that i was prone to it of course i know that had some of the risk factors given the circumstances um working with a therapist and i got in with the perinatal psychiatrist which can be very difficult to do Mm -hmm. always important if you have a history of mental illness um or just other struggles, or you know you're prone, let your PCP know so they can yeah. give a referral during your pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, I had just the privilege and access to resources, of mm-hmm. course, right, in a family, including my sister who's on mm-hmm. here, who was there for me by my side. And I still, I still very much met the criteria for PPD because so much of it is also hormonal, right? I could have all the thinking, <laughs> the tools, and the CBT, and yeah. the act and the workbooks. Oh my gosh. My sister gave me so many workbooks (laughs) and a lot of them are really great. Right. But there were a lot of workbooks, Allison. (laughs) You kept dropping off more. I'm thinking that that would fix me too. (laughs) 
the the the, the best one so far. Mm-hmm. I've you know read quite a few. I want to read some for my clients too. Um, I think it's good moms have scary thoughts. No, oh, the best. Yes, that's a really good one for anxiety, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. But again, back to having the resources, still having it, realizing, oh, I can't think my way out of this this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I might have been able to. Won't work mm-hmm. on this. I can't regulate my nervous system on my own mm-hmm. anymore. Um, I can't just take a few deep breaths and I feel mm-hmm. normal again. Something is different. Mm-hmm. And of course, with my, you know, proactiveness, but also anxiety was, oh, something is wrong. And after lots of hesitation, um, I finally agreed with my with my doctor to start an SSRI. Mm-hmm. and. That is by far, and I've heard this from other moms too, was such an important step mm-hmm. and one that in hindsight would have made sense to start earlier. Yeah. I think there was like, I'm going to tough it out. I can do yeah. this. Yeah. And one thing my psychiatrist did tell me was, you don't, if we start sertraline, it doesn't mean you have to be on it forever. Mm-hmm. Of course, psychiatrists do recommend, right, that you take it for six, at least six months, right, to actually see it work. Mm-hmm. up to 12 months of course too but it was a nice reminder when she told me this is not forever but even if it was if this helps you become more stable better mother a better mm-hmm. career woman therapist Resource. wife mm-hmm. and yeah. i think that changed my perspective a lot on mm-hmm. functionality what we need Use your resources. And I hope that provides like hope to other people too. Obviously, I can't prescribe medications. Um, but it's this this reminder. There are tools out there for you. Yeah. And sometimes it is chemical. Yeah. And if we can get your brain, you know, if we can we if we can work with your your doctor, right, to get those chemicals back in sync, mm-hmm. you will then be able to use those those tools that you exactly. can use in therapy, the ones that we advocate for and teach and socialize, for example. Yeah. Um, so Allison, I think I'm thinking about how there's stigma about it. There's, there's disparities. We can go on and on about all the inadequacies of our system that is just not built to protect mothers. Um, but I guess I'm asking what are, I guess, what are some of the other opinions? I want to say hot takes because I know you're really passionate about it. I think I would like to know more about self-care and how there's more to self-care than just massages and working out, for example. What are some of the core principles or or values for taking care of ourselves when we have no time? Maybe when we have a partner who not supportive doesn't who's not supportive of it, who doesn't recognize that you're struggling. Mm-hmm. Um or they're going through their own thing too. What's your advice for getting people to advocate for their self care? How do we make time for it? Whew. Yeah, I mean, that's, if we had the exact answer for that, like we would have all their problems solved. The thing is, um, is that sometimes they don't have to be these big gestures of self care. It doesn't have to cost a lot of money. They can be just micro moments of like, like some joy that happens in your home. You know, you start dancing in your kitchen with your favorite songs they had to be tiny things because the brain doesn't do well with really like intense like changes anyway so you want to think about what's going to be manageable right now you know like after a c-section for example well really what can you do you're just like bedridden Mm -hmm. like as you're recovering right with a newborn baby and 
think about like, hey, can I just watch a really funny TikTok right now? That's going, you know, something that I say that I know is guaranteed to make me laugh. Okay, it didn't make me laugh, but it did make me chuckle a little, right? Just sometimes we have to go back to like little tiny things. It doesn't have to be big things. I think that's the first thing I can think of. Anything that's going to get your nervous system to get back to safety. Because if you're experiencing trauma, depression, anxiety, stress, anything that's just kind of show I'm safe right now things are okay. I've done a lot of somatic work, a lot of somatic experiencing. And yes, I completely agree that most clients that I have aren't truly going to get a benefit from this kind of work unless they had started on an SSRI or something that's going to help just their bodies kind of get back in balance. But it just really just depends. The thing is, is mostly our nervous systems can get so dysregulated. And I know there's so much talk, the hot takes are all about nervous system work right now. Mm -hmm. And yeah. yeah. And there's a reason for it. And I'm really glad it's being spoken to a lot. But yeah, I mean, when we just think about, I go personally, my nervous system was very dysregulated and no amount of CBT or workbooks were going to help me. Right. I had mm-hmm. a very traumatizing birth, surgery, postpartum, very medically challenging um, experience that I never ever could have prepared for, nor would I ever want to prepare for that because <laughs> that would not be something I'd ever even want to think about. And the reality mm-hmm. is, is as a licensed clinical psychologist who has all of these tips, just like as you, Holly, it was not, it wasn't cutting it anymore. I'm like, nope, I can't think my way through this. I can't use logic and rationale. There's got to be, there's, there's something else that's happening here. There's something else. Mm-hmm. And so I had to go more primitive. I did more body work. Too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. If you're an intellectualizer, we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna keep repeating it. But mind body work, somatic therapy is gonna be really helpful for yeah, me that. and our fellow mm-hmm. fellow colleagues in psychology or therapists. We love intellectualizing things. Yes. So body work Lockdown. can be very, very helpful. And that's the main that's really that's really one of the biggest changes that happens is with your it's your body, right? Mm-hmm. And brain, right? We could even talk about what actually happens to the brain in pregnancy and postpartum. It's incredible how many changes happen. Um, And there's positive things too. So I think, you know, before we started record, my sister and I were talking about um, some pretty depressing stuff, the statistics, (laughs) um, society's um, expectations for mothers, the double standards, the lack of resources, racial disparities, especially. the lack of research on preeclampsia, which is such Mm -hmm. a common thing, which Alice and I both had. Um, We could go on and on about how sucky it is. So I would love to kind of end our podcast today on something, on on, on something that has more maybe meaning. Is there some light at the end of the tunnel to this? Mm -hmm. Are we seeing any trends or shifts in Mm -hmm. destigmatizing or help? I'm curious Mm -hmm. if you've noticed any of that in your clinical work to or in your communities. And I can talk on that briefly too. Absolutely. I think the best way to describe this is there is like a almost post-traumatic growth that comes from going through a difficult postpartum period. I think women come out of it much more resilient and stronger. And these are some of the things that we see in the qualitative research, right? Is women saying, wow, there were so many things I cared about that I don't care about anymore. My life is better. Mm. I don't care about social media as much anymore. I don't need to keep up with the Joneses. I don't feel I had to act a certain way. You know, this mama bear attitude comes in. They're the most resilient, empowered, kind 
right? And intelligent women. I mean, if you're ever in a crisis where everyone always says, go find the mom, see the mom mm-hmm. and the kids, she will know exactly what to do. Moms are so strong and powerful, regardless of what their postpartum birth, previous loss, anything was. And so I want to give some hope to, to the moms out there, right? Who are in it right now, in the trenches, right? Of postpartum to remind you that with help and support, you will come out of this so much stronger because one, there's no other way, right? You're just simply, it's simply just what that's going to happen in your brain. It's biological. And then two, things heal, like your brain heals too, right? And with that support, it will just change. It just changes perspective. So this is, this in the research. Personally, I completely agree with this. I am a, a stronger, less of a perfectionist than I was mm. before having a baby. I do think that there's some really amazing, beautiful things that come out of it and just some extra resilience. I'm not as anxious about things that I used to be anxious about. I, I gave birth and I survived a lot of things that were going to kill me and I survived it. So yeah, what can scare me now? So that's adding some lightness to it, right? That it's yeah. just, you just become more of a warrior. Um, not a warrior. <laughs> that happens too. <laughs> but a warrior in that, you know, we had to fight to be here and we're still fighting. And it's all, and it can be also very beautiful. Absolutely. We can talk on and on about this, but I know our time <laughs> is limited. Um, so just to wrap up this episode on maternal mental health, I really want to express my gratitude to you, Allison, of course, for talking about this um, with me and to our listeners for sharing your expertise and insights. I would love to have you talk more about this in future episodes, of course. And I think we can also talk about motherhood as well, too. Um, to our listeners, just a reminder that maternal mental health is a vital topic and mm-hmm. there is a lot there is a lot of different subsets. So if there is a, a very specific um, subtopic you want to talk about on this, please message us, let us know. We want this to be helpful for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and please share this with anyone else that you think might benefit from it. Um, thank you all for tuning in. And until next time, please take care. If you're a new parent, you are amazing. You are doing a good job, especially if you're taking time for yourself to even listen to this. We're sending you love and compassion. Bye-bye. Thank you.